First day at school. First date. Firsts are almost always important to us and memorable, and they set the expectations of things to come. You've heard the expression, first impressions are lasting impressions, and this being true, what lasting impressions do we have from Christ's first miracle? John chapter 2, verse 11, This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The first lasting impression I have from Christ's first miracle is the extent of his involvement in our daily lives, including our everyday ordinary problems. And that is so significant. Often we're tempted to wonder why God would want to be involved in our lives. Why the holy, 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 omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God would care about such insignificant, sinful, mortal beings as ourselves. His very majesty dwarfs our comprehension. We say with the psalmist in Psalm 8, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars that you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit or care for him? Our daily experiences reinforce the difficulty that we have in even reaching important people. We live in a world where our leaders ignore us, where the wealthy and powerful disdain us, and where we spend hours and hours on hold listening to elevator music and recorded assurances, your call is very important to us. Please do not hang up. Someone will be with you shortly. Well, someone never is. Suppose you invited someone important, let's say a president, a king, a queen, a Hollywood celebrity, a sports icon to your wedding. Would such a person come? Doubtful, unless you yourselves were wealthy and powerful and you offered a meaningful photo opportunity. But look at Jesus. Where did Jesus choose? This was not a coincidence. Where did Jesus choose to perform his first miracle? Was it in Jerusalem? Was it the world capital of Rome? Was it the Temple Mount? Was it the luxurious palace of King Herod? No, Jesus chose to perform his first miracle in the sleepy, don't blink or you'll miss it, insignificant town of Cana in Galilee. Why did Jesus perform his first miracle? Was it a national crisis? Was it a natural disaster? Did someone have a death in the family? No. Jesus chose to perform his first miracle so that he could solve a problem as small, as minor, as a shortage of wine. And for whom did Jesus perform his first miracle? Emperors? Kings? Celebrities? No. Jesus chose to perform his first miracle for two newlyweds whose names we don't even know. Two young people who were just beginning their lives together as husband and wife. Now, 
What does that tell you about your God? Is he distant? Is he disinterested? Is he remote? Or is he an up-close, personal God who is involved in every aspect of your life, from the biggest worries to the smallest shortages? And if the wedding at Cana is not enough to convince us of God's involvement in every aspect of our lives, then what about the cross? What about the Savior of whom Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2? And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. How involved is that? A second lasting impression from Christ's first miracle is the importance of giving all of our burdens and worries and shortages to the Lord. Just the way that Mary did when at that wedding she said, they have no wine. She simply stated the problem and then trusted that Jesus would solve it. What about us? Regrettably, yes, at times we present our problems to the Lord, but we don't stop there. Then we go on to tell him how he should be involved and, oh yes, the kind of miracle he should perform and the means he should use and the timetable in which he should operate. And when God doesn't solve our problems or our shortages according to our strict specifications, what happens then? Then we accuse him of indifference or of slowness. And we say, God, I'm going to take that burden back because I can do this myself. Really? Is there any shortage, any problem that we have in our lives in which we do not need the Savior? What would have happened if Jesus had not been invited to the wedding at Cana? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Listen, if we invite Jesus to dinner... Should we not invite him into our problems, our relationships, our ministries, our school year, our heartaches, our endeavors? Of course. Because unlike the high and mighty of this world, the Most High God will come. In fact, he says in Revelation 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. A third lasting impression I have from Christ's first miracle is God will always solve our shortages at just the right time and the right way. Sometimes Bible commentators focus on that mild rebuke of Jesus to Mary when he said, woman, it's actually more like dear woman, but What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Yet, you know what I think? I think that mild rebuke of Jesus was actually a warm invitation. I think that through that rebuke, Jesus was saying to Mary, you brought this problem to me. Now trust me to solve it. You know who I am. You know what I can do. And you know that I will act. And Mary understood that. That's why she told the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. What an expression of faith. She expected Jesus to act. Shouldn't we? Even in the best of times, waiting for the Lord is difficult. Yes. 
But with the psalmist, we can say in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I put my hope. And that's the same word of God that gives us the strength to continue waiting for the Lord to act, knowing that he will act, knowing that he will act at the right time, just the right way. And that leads to a final lasting impression I have of Christ's first miracle. Not only will he act in the right time and the right way, but he will always give us the very best. Like all of you, I was once a student on this campus. And when I graduated from here and went out into my life, it didn't work out exactly as I expected. And yet, over the decades, I found this one principle to be unflinchingly true. That each time I gave my problems and worries to the Lord Jesus, okay, better said, each time he pried my problems and worries out of my clutching fingers, each time I found that the end that he brought about was infinitely better than anything I could have planned or accomplished on my own. Abraham had no idea where God was leading him, but because God was leading in the end, he found himself in the promised land. And Job suffered more heartache and loss than you and I can even know. And yet the Bible says that God blessed the end of his life even more than the first. And I don't know why that always surprises us, that God would give us the best. Especially when we have this pronouncement of Scripture that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not graciously along with him give us all things? So today you uh, attended a wedding at Cana. And your wedding invitation was the word of God, the gospel of John. But as you leave the wedding, don't forget the lessons Keep those lasting impressions, which are God does care. God is involved. God will act. God will reveal his glory in your life and in your shortages no differently than the way he manifested his glory at a wedding in Cana. Because this is the God who always provides for our shortages. And this is the God who always changes ordinary water into extraordinary wine. Amen. Our hymn this morning is 361. 361 stanzas 1, 4, and 5.